Welcome to Series 3 of The Joy of Writing. I'm your host, Mark Carew, author of three novels, and someone who is interested in how other writers write, why they do it, and the fun or joy they get from their writing. You can leave feedback on any of the episodes at podchaser.com forward slash thejoyofwriting. In this episode with Tom Benjamin, author of A Quiet Death in Italy, we learn how he was inspired by studying English literature at school, how he is wary of giving advice to other writers or joining writers groups, and we hear more about Naples 44 as his inspirational book. So Tom, it's always interesting to hear from writers uh, with book deals, published novels, published books, um, their own advice to someone uh, brave enough to try and uh, you know, write a book, so an aspiring writer. And I know that you started your writing, which and you've been writing forever, started writing with poetry. What was the attraction of that to you, and how did that develop? That's a great question. Um, I think I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really grow up in a, a, a very literary household. Um, um, and so everything that I knew and learned... Um, about literature, books, um, either came from myself, um, you know, random visits to the library, or from um, school, I guess. And um, thinking about it, because it's not something I've really thought about um, until you've asked me the question, um, I suspect um, I first turned to poetry um, because um, of um, our uh, English literature O level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because I started wrote, writing poetry when I was 15 or 16, and probably around 15 or 16, we started studying the war poets. And, and of course, the war poets, you know, Wilfred Owen, Isaac Rosenberg. I mean, I don't know if they still study them. I guess they do. Um, they do indeed, yeah. Um, at that age, um, and their poetry was so incredibly accessible, and you know it wasn't you know your sort of Wordsworths, um, um, and you know there weren't too many sort of um, obscure poems because of course you know the teachers were teaching kids, um, and so they wanted to try to make the uh, poetry accessible. So we had I remember there was was it Louis Louis MacNeese's Ambulances, um, and. Uh, and a few other things as well outside, you know, the war poetry genre. Um, but I think that that was probably how our teachers tried to first get us interested um, in poetry. And also they started talking to us about, you know, obviously we had to do the Shakespeare. Um, and, and quite wisely our teacher um, selected Richard III, uh, which is great. Mm-hmm. just got loads of murder in it. And and quite a lot of humour actually as well, and um, I remember our uh, English teacher taking us to a matinee at the Royal Royal uh, Shakespeare, you know, the, by the Royal Shakespeare Company, and um, and it was you know, and, I, and so I think that that was you know how I probably first found uh, literature accessible, and of course you know writing poetry. Um, you know, very Adrian Mole-like kind of poetry. Yeah. Um, you know, is also pretty simple. 
you're trying to basically kind of you know put your thoughts down on paper you feel this um, you feel this sort of you know desire to express yourself on paper which comes from somewhere mm. and if you're an artist a painter you know you want to draw things if you're a musician you want to to make a form of music and if you're a writer you want to to write something and so in a sense poetry is like a kind of gateway drug yeah um, you know because you kind of you know you start writing your poetry and and you start writing lines and you start well I suppose you start rhyming them or whatever you're, you're influenced by whoever you're reading and um, and it's okay and it's actually yeah. because you know you had the war poets who are writing about you know bent double we we walked like beggars under sacks you know through trudging through the sludge while on the you know to the sound of falling gas shells so, falling softly behind and so on and so forth you know from Dolce de Coromest and I still remember it not I, I still I still remember it actually better than that when I'm not on a podcast um <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you know, it, it's okay. You know, soldiers are writing this stuff. Yeah, and so it's okay for a boy to write poetry. Right. Ah, oh, that's very interesting. That you're sort of given permission to, to write that type of thing, or because yeah. I mean, boy, boys and reading, boys and writing, teenage boys it don't normally go together. So, I mean, would would that advice be that if you feel the urge to write, then just just write. You have permission to yeah. to try. Yeah. Mm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, anyone can write, and I think probably the most important factor um, for any writer is the urge to write. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, they say about almost everything, <laughs> it's, you know, nine, ta- nine, nine parts effort and one part talent. Yes, completely and, agree. Yeah, and you know, if you have a sufficient urge to write, then if you write enough and you try hard enough, um, then the chances are that you're going to produce something that is, you know, acceptable to at least someone. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you've been writing for a fair few years now, and I know you're working on book three. Yeah. I mean, in all of that time, and obviously you have the impulse to write, and uh, you know you you obviously enjoy it. But how do you actually, in your day, physically get down to the business of moving your next novel ahead and and writing the next thing? I'm I'm yeah I'm, I will tell you. Um, <laughs> you can reveal your secrets, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm a bit wary of writerly advice, okay. um, ways of doing things. Oh, yeah. you know, this is the trick. Mm. This is the this is the trick. This is the way you do it, um, because uh, everyone is different. Yes, and you know, one size does not fit all. Um, you know, I, I can obviously offer advice, and, and much of it will be advice that I never took. You know, for example, I think that uh, it's probably a great idea for people to join writers' groups. Mm-hmm. I joined one, um, but that's because I'm shy. Um, you know, that's because um, I, I would be embarrassed to sort of, I would have been embarrassed to, to sort of sh- share my stuff with other writers. I'm just not that sort of person. But many of the debut authors in inner 
group that I belong to, we don't share our writing, but you know we're published authors, so we discuss the business and so on. Yeah, they all got a huge start from belonging to writers' groups. For me, basically, if I don't write in the morning, then that's it. That's my most creative time, and and pretty much if I get distracted by something, um, like yesterday we were talking about. Uh, like yesterday, I had this trauma with some people who had come into our building, were trying to fit the wrong windows, and I was arguing with them, and blah blah blah. And then it was ten thirty, and I tried to sit down and do some writing, and it had gone. Yeah, you know, because I need to sort of get up. I can have a shower, you know, all the rest, but then I need to sit down and write because that's between basically between nine and about one. You know, that's my really creative time. In the afternoon, I can um, I can do some editing and and so on and so forth, but um, but, but but that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, the, the the important thing there. I mean, I completely agree. There is no one size fits all, but there's sort of this general notion that writing is is so much about discovery about discovering how you're going to write and what, what your daily routine would like to be, for example, um, and also discovering about what you're going to write, because you might start with absolutely this most, the smallest clue yeah. as to what, you know, it'll be a feeling, an impulse, a, a scene, a dream, whatever, and you'll, you'll grow it from there. And also with, with writing, as we've heard many times before, um, from writers, reading is so important. And uh, you mentioned last time a very influential book, uh, Naples Forty Four. Would you like to describe sort of that that impact and how it influenced you? Well, basically, Naples Forty Four is a true account um, by the writer, the great uh, British writer Norman Lewis, um, who was a, both a novelist and an essay essayist. Um, of his time uh, working as an intelligence officer um, in uh, Naples in 1944, which had just been liberated by the Allies. And it's essentially his diary. And um, I had a look at it um, just before this program, and I was interested to note that although he had written tons of novels and sort of um, travel books, um, from about 1951. This actually wasn't published until um, 1978. Uh-huh. Um, so, 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 yeah, he kind of sat on it for a while, and and I'm not sure why. I think it probably would, would have been impossible to have published it any earlier before he had actually made his name, um, and you know because actually it's pretty eye-opening as well as being beautifully written. Um, it's uh, factual, but it reads essentially like a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I took a look, as I said, and you know, there are just sort of there are just sort of scenes here. I mean, every page is full of scenes. Um, if I just read read this, he's arrived in uh, he's arrived in Italy. Um, they've, they've landed. You know, the Allies have landed, and they're in yeah. the process of. Of liberating the, the 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 place, and he says, um, "The peace of this place after four four days of the racket of warfare was stunning. Two aged women in black gossiped into each other's ears, and a white bearded old man, a kind of Italian Father Christmas, s- spoiled by a crinkling obsequious smile, sat at a table by his garden gate selling wine. It was immediately clear that the local belief." was that the Germans had gone, never to return, because as soon as he spotted me, he held up a notice, 
vino li aliati. That means wine for the, ally, for the allies. Uh-huh. I pulled up, bought a glass of wine, which looked and tasted like ink, and asked him whether there were Germans about, and he put on a hideous smirk. He got up and beckoned to me to follow him into his cottage, where a uniformed man was sprawled, head on his chest, in a deep chair. This was the first German I had seen, and he was dead. Speaking in some local dialect, quite inaccessible to me, the old man tried to explain what had happened. He was clearly accepting responsibility for the German's death, and expected praise, and perhaps even a reward. His gestures seemed to claim that he had put poison in the soldier's wine. I couldn't decide whether or not this was a piece of sycophantic bluff. I pushed him aside and went out. A disgusting old fellow, but a reliable but a reliable barometer, I suspected, of the Germans' prospects in this particular theatre of war. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it, it, the guy writes with such, with such kind of, you know, clarity. Yeah. Um, and um, it's that, he, he writes a bit, you know, of that era, of the, the era of, um, you know, George Orwell, you know, that kind of clipped English tone, you know, a bit, it reminds me a bit of uh, Homage to Catalonia, or was Homage to Catalonia. There are two things here. When we moved, after we moved to Italy, um, you know, in order to learn the language, I got a job uh, working in a homeless canteen. Yes, and, you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, and there, you know, I I, I was um, I experienced a different kind of Italy, and you know I, I I came across a lot of you know criminality and this that and the other, and and that got me beginning to think about trying to depict this other Italy, and then I came across this book by Norman Lewis. You know, I thought, well, here's my way in. Yeah. Uh, you know, here is this uh, you know British secret policeman or or what have you. You know, working his way as it says on the cover of the book through the Italian labyrinth and you know that was very much how Italy felt for me you know so in a, in a sense people say to me well you know is Daniel Lester you actually Daniel Lester is probably a bit more like Norman Lewis uh-huh. okay. <laughs> transported to modern day Bologna um, and, and, and that was the sort of kind of impression that I was I was trying to, to get. I mean coming back to the book you know the, the account is really quite outstanding and there are so many um, you know, memorable scenes. You know, there are these kind of scenes of absurdity, but this kind of like grotesque absurdity. Like, for example, that scene that I that I just read out, mm. and it kind of you know reads. Sometimes it kind of reads like you know Evelyn War, but you know other times you know it's it's there's this kind of there's the kind of real grim reality of war that that that, that kind of upsets your expectations. And that also sort of appealed to me. Shortly after that scene, um, there's another scene that um, has always left an impression on me, which which I'll, I'll just kind of quickly read out because you know you have this idea of you know the British and the Americans um, as the liberating heroes, and uh, you know a few days later, uh, Lewis writes, you know at, at the, the British headquarters, here I saw an ugly sight. A British officer interrogating an Italian civilian and repeatedly hitting him about the head with a chair. Treatment which the Italian, his face a mask of blood, suffered with stoicism. At the end of the interrogation, which had not been considered successful, 
the officer called in a private of the Hampshires and asked him in a pleasant, conversational sort of manner, would you like to take this man away and shoot him? The private's reply was to spit on his hands and say, I don't mind if I do, sir. The most revolting episode I have seen since joining the forces. Yeah. I mean, that's not the sort of thing that you read about the, you know, British liberating Italy. No, right. Right, it's, there's, there's not the usual standard heroes and everything's a triumph. I, I think I can see where you're, you're coming from much more clearly because in, in your book, uh, quite definitely, you, you take a very sort of investigative reporter role. You, I mean, and you've said before that you're, you know, you're not biased one way or the other with how Italy is and as you're writing as a, an outsider. And I can see with the war poetry that in, interested you as a as a young boy, um, you you want. I think you're after the truth of the matter, really. The in in a situation where there there is so much going on and it's so much gloss over, you know, with all the heroism and and that type of thing. And it it leads me on just to ask you very quickly about another book you did mentioned before this, which was about UN peacekeeping missions in a book uh, called We Did Nothing. And again, it, this is lifting the lid and getting under the skin of the situation. Um, and you have a background in international aid and, and as a reporter. So I can sort of see where all these influences are coming from. You, you really want to see how the thing ticks, how the the country works, that, that type of thing. Would I be right in that or is that just my own impression? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that um, as a writer, and I think that almost, I mean, all, all writers, I would presume that most writers are searching for a kind of truth. Yeah. Certainly, um, in everything that I've written, um, that has been, I think, that has sort of underlain it. I remember that, um, you know, from from quite a selfish selfish perspective, you know, I was working with the police and. Um, and then I decided to, you know, I became interested in international development. But it sounds as if I'm, you know, a kind of do-gooder. Um, and obviously I wanted to do well. I mean, I wanted to do kind of well by people and I wanted to help people. But I considered myself as a writer. And um, there was also an element of just being really fascinated in um, other worlds, other cultures. Yeah. And, and other experiences and certainly you know from a selfish perspective um, although I, I like and I hope that I did you know some good in the decade that I spent working um, in international development it certainly also informed my perspective as a writer you know I, I suppose my um, my scene which is rather less dramatic than um, the scene that uh, Lewis wrote there would be when I was uh, uh, I was in Kosovo, and um, I remember the scene that's never sort of left me was mm. um, when we were sort of delivering um, aid um, right after um, uh, Kosovo had been liberated. Um, I mean, well, rather in the process of it being liberated because we had kind of gone in with the um, British Army, and um, I remember, um, you know being in this this truck and there's tons of you know traffic in Pristina the uh, the capital as, as people were panicking basically just trying to get out and yeah. you know, had like the Serbian 
security forces sort of you know in, you know everywhere and you know trying to like pack up stuff and and um, you know burning buildings and all the rest. Anyway, the point is that um, I remember we we kind of got stuck in this uh, traffic jam and and I saw this and there was this and this traffic jam was um, full of refugees, uh, Serbian. Kosovan Serbian refugees, and um, I remember seeing this woman standing outside her her car, and the kids were in the car, and they were kind of you know they're pressing their faces against the window, and they were kind of looking you know in the other direction. So I kind of looked in the other direction, and I could see the the KLA, I think the Albanian mm-hmm. Albanians literally coming over the hill. Um, running down the hill toward this kind of, you know, refugee convoy of Serbs and, you know, uh, with, you know, their, their machine guns at the ready and then, vroom, you know, we were off. And, uh, you know, because it was dangerous and there's lots of stuff going on, as you can imagine. Um, but I never forgot that scene uh, because, you know, we were supposed to be the liberators and it was something that was kind of, you know, massively kind of, you know, celebrated everywhere. Oh, you know, we've kicked out the evil Serbs. But, you know, I, I'll never forget the look of, you know, terror on those kids' faces. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, I'm sure, well, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But, um, and, you know, being an observer and be you know, and seeing the kind of, and seeing the sort of contradictions inherent in that sort of role. So an understanding that the truth, you know, is, obvi- is, is often more complicated than um, it may actually be portrayed to be. Yeah. And, um, and there, you know, even when you know you're winning there are always losers and you know those losers may be you know perfectly innocent individuals yeah. uh, and, and 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 that is something that sort of fascinates me as a, a writer i would say yeah, well that that's very very interesting to to learn about you know your your background and your approach and your experiences that have all added up to sort of um influence your writing um, I mean, I must say, for, for quite definitely, I thought was, um, and I'm, no, I'm no expert on crime fiction at all, uh, but I, I thought it was much more than crime fiction, to be honest, and uh, I think I enjoyed it for that, and I, I did like the way you got under the hood of Bologna and, and Italian society, um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a very, very interesting read, and very interesting to hear about how you've how you work and how um, others hopefully will find some of that inspirational. You know, d- draw on your own experiences and your own desires and and have a go or keep going if you're already halfway there. I would say that's the thing, keep going. Keep so. going, absolutely. Thank <laughs> you, Tom. My thanks to Tom Benjamin and all the other writers who have appeared on the podcast so far. Please check out the episode notes for details of their books. Please also leave your feedback at podchaser.com forward slash the joy of writing. Until the next time, keep well, keep reading and keep writing if that's your thing.